Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, guess who I've got with me today? It is AJ. Hello, delicious humans. (laughs) Alexandria Joy. Joy. From the superhuman experience. Experience? Yes. That is I. The joy box. We have to turn our head on the side in order to make eye contact with each other. It's kind of weird. With the microphone. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, joy box. Yes. Tiny home. Yes. And Yuki Pella. Yes, that's me. Yes. (laughs) Multi-talented. Absolutely. AJ has been on Hey Soul Sister podcast a few times now. I have. I've gotten up close and personal with this microphone a few times. You yes. certainly have. <laughs> and done a lot of sharing and shared a lot of wisdoms and insights. Oh, thank you. So, for those of you who don't know, Alexandria Joy. AJ. Hashtag AJ. <laughs> AJ is a business coach, mm. a futurist, mm. speaker, author, Yogi, amazing woman. Am I missing anything? Motorbike rider. Motorbike rider. We just saw that. (laughs) Absolutely. I first met AJ 17 years ago when I was applying for a job at John Hunter Hospital in the PR department that she interviewed me for and then became my boss and then we became friends. We became great friends. Yes, absolutely. That was before I had grey hair. (laughs) (laughs) So AJ is one of my go-to people to reflect on life and – if I need to talk things out, get a little bit of sisterly love and advice. And I think the feeling's mutual. Aww. You're always there when I need that shoulder to cry on or someone to go, oh, this is happening. I think I'll ring Mel. Yeah. Well, thank you. But And I also know that you are instrumental in supporting and coaching many people, individuals, corporates, charities. Mm. Yeah, I'm super privileged to do the work I do and help people heal themselves and then their cultures and their Their organisations. Yeah, in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. So then why have I got AJ in here today? This is the mystery (laughs) that we're going to pull apart. No, but but seriously, the reason why is that we've been, as I've reflected on many times, we have been going through some very crazy times Mm. um, in the world through the COVID, but also... Leading up to the end of a financial year and the beginning mm. of a new financial year, you know, just talking to people, it feels as though there's a lot of people in overwhelm. And I know I certainly go to that place myself, yeah. the, you know, the place of overwhelm. And so I kind of thought, look, do you know what? Perfect time to actually pull that apart a little bit because I know I always love to um, do some self-reflection and see what I can learn from people wiser than myself. Yes. And also, you know, there might be some of you out there listening to Hey Soul Sisters that might be struggling with overwhelm at the moment, whether it's been because of COVID isolation, homeschooling, um, end Mm. of financial year, just life changes in general. Yeah. Not being able to socialize or maybe go to your normal sporting events, you know, yogas, gyms, all of those things can often add to people's level of stress too. Yeah. Mm. So there are many things that can cause overwhelm. Yeah. Yeah. Including actually just having too much on our plate. Absolutely. I'm seeing that more and more with all sorts of people. I think modern life in lots of ways. And there's this great stat that says the amount of information our grandparents absorbed in their whole lifetime and were exposed to is what we get in a week. 
Really? So any wonder we feel like our brains are going to explode. Yeah. Like it's literally that level of how it's increased. But we haven't evolved that much more as humans. So, you know, yeah. we're dealing with a lot more. And I think I have this vision not just of spinning plates but of trying to hold beach balls down under the water. So imagine you're in the pool and every single thing that you've got on your plate is another beach ball and just trying to hold them all down and the pressure of that, you know, and they want to pop up kind of thing. So that's how I see people. I love that analogy. Yeah, because it's that, you know, trying to hold it down as opposed to just spinning a plate and, you know, you run out of arm space. <laughs> you yeah. can't hold any more and eventually it's going to pop up. Absolutely. Mm. And I know I'm, I don't know if guilty is a word, I, but I certainly have a habit of putting too much on my plate mm. with a to-do list that keeps growing and growing and growing and never seems to end. So ditch the to-do list. I have a theory and, and there's a theory that someone else has, which I think is James Clear, and it's the four burner theory. So the whole concept of your stove and thinking about like money and career, family, you know, yourself and your health and those sorts of things. And he says only have two burners on at once. Otherwise, you'll burn the milk. So, you know, limit that. So, I, I like to follow that, but I don't have a to-do list anymore. I have a to-da list. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I put all the things that I'd like to do on that. And as I do them, I tick them off and I go, ta-da. I love it. <laughs> so, that it feels good rather than a to-do, which sounds like so much effort. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to change that to a to-da list. A to-da list. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, AJ, when you're coaching clients or organizations, mm. What are some of the signs and things that you might see of overwhelm? Of people in overwhelm? Yeah. yeah. I think as humans, we have several layers that we work from. You know, we have the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual kind of levels. And so primarily, I often see it show up physically for people first. Yeah. And so whether I'm doing, so I do yoga therapy, whether I'm actually doing yoga therapy, which is more physical with them, or I just see the signs and symptoms. So you can see their heart rates faster their breath is more shallow you can often see circles under their eyes from lack of sleep people might have the jitters or they just seem more agitated in their movements in their way you know they're not relaxed and calm so you can often see it physically in people or they will tell you I'm stressed I'm not sleeping I'm waking up at night I'm putting on weight all of those sorts of things but then I think more than anything it's emotional chatter and mental chatter yeah so in the last Three weeks, I would say every single client I've had has talked about their inability to switch off their mental chatter. And they've all been waking up at two or three in the morning, which is often a sign of liver and often a sign that we're drinking alcohol or having coffee or substances that our body's trying to process and it wakes us up. But a lot of it is just that sense of overwhelm that people are going, I've got too much on and my mind is frenetic and they can't let that go. You know, they keep playing with their stuff. Mm. I think back seven years ago, mm. so it was for me, it was pre-charity, mm-hmm. pre-sister code, pre-blogging. Yes. Um, I was doing a photography then and I really felt like I was in overwhelm. Mm. Like you I, really did. Yeah. I look right. back now and I go, wow, I, I, I had like a much more balanced mm. life. But I feel like over the last six years that it's just become more and more frenetic. Right. Yeah. And has that been a gradual thing, like the frog in water where it's just gradually got busier and busier and you've just allowed that in? Yep. And it's been because I've set expectations because I've been creating things. Ah. So I was like, you know, creating the sister code mm. blog and, and then a, a charity and, and events and now a podcast it has just been that creating mm. over time, like, you know, constantly creating 
Yeah, and I go to the point where I'm like, oh wow, I like it. It is. It's like the the frog in water. Then all of yes. a sudden, it's boiling, and you. I'm like, how did I get here? <laughs> Which is exciting, right? We can easily get into overwhelm when we're excited too by good things. It's not always negative. Oh, and you know, I love creating. Yeah. So I go. That's why it's it's not like oh, my goodness, woe is me. I'm yes. like, I love creating. But then one day you wake up and you go, oh, my goodness, I've got all this stuff. I've got all this stuff to do. And how many years did you say it was, six or seven? Probably six, yeah. Yeah, which is really interesting because if you look at nature and if ideally you were a farmer and you were growing crops, you would let the land lie fallow every seven years. So mm. you would plant crops, plant crops, be in that process seasonally, you know, plant them, grow them, um, harvest, yep. plant, grow, harvest. You'd do that for seven years yep. and then you'd pause for a year. Yeah. So maybe it's time for even thinking about, you know, in the next year having a little pause and a regroup or some time out or something. The pause. I keep hearing that word, the pause. The pause. Mm. Not the menopause. <laughs> Or the pregnant pause. <laughs> the pregnant pause or the menopause. <laughs> but the time to press pause on overwhelm. Yeah. 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 Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. Do you know what's interesting? So I was doing some reading and they were saying that one of the signs of overwhelm is actually starting to obsess over detail and mm. obsess over small things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's often control or that feeling of need to control. And as humans, you know, we love surprise and we love variety, but then we love control and certainty. So often when people are in overwhelm, they get more, more and more controlling. And I like to think of it as whether people are juicy or crispy. Mm. <laughs> so when we're juicy... We have much more ability to go with the flow, to be more fluid, to allow other people's little idiosyncrasies and that as well. But when we get into overwhelm, we get a bit crispier and tighter. And I always think tight mind, tight body and tight outcomes and often tight communication. So that's when we start snapping at family. You know, we start trying to control all of the little details. And during COVID and not to go there too much, but a lot of managers and leaders really felt challenged because not only was it stressful and challenging and a bit in overwhelm because they've had to change their businesses, but then trying to manage staff. And so then having people working from home, a lot of them switched into control mode and mm. wanting people to log on and show them that they were working and all of those sorts of things. So yeah, it's a good lesson to start thinking about, am I majoring in the minor things? Now, while I was reading, I also saw another term called rage quitting, which yeah. can quite happen with people in overwhelm. And it's not actually raging. It's actually just quitting and going, do you know what? I can't deal with this. I'm walking away. Yeah. It's a bit like the damn it doll. Remember we worked with someone at work cover. I don't know if you remembered. She had a damn it doll. I oh, was. yes. I do. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, a, I think, a bit like that where people literally kind of and, and that means we're going into our childlike state, right, where I actually can't cope anymore. I'm in overwhelm, which means my brain is full and I shut down capacity. So I go into flight, fright or freeze. And it's more likely then that I'll throw down the doll and walk out the room because, you know, it's too much. And I've actually had clients of late say they feel like they're either going to go into a rage or they're going to cry or they're going to black out. So wow. literally the stress and overwhelm gets that much that the brain shuts down all systems mm. and they say, I almost feel like I can't see. Like they get tunnel vision, can't get perspective, whatever the thing they're fixated on, that's all they can see. And they say, I literally feel like I'm going to black out. That happened to me once years ago when we were at work cover. Mm -hmm. I um, couldn't find the remote control for the TV <laughs> in the boardroom at work cover and we were about to run a media training. Right. 
course with mm. a, somebody, a trainer who'd come up from Sydney and I couldn't find the remote control. And I remember feeling so out of control and overwhelmed. I got the ringing in my ears, mm-hmm. couldn't see properly mm-hmm. and thought I was going to pass out. Yes. It was terrible. Yeah. So, and that's in in a way a mild panic attack, and that's what people are experiencing. I've heard of people having that recently, and and so you have to couple that with then are they getting behind the wheel of a car, you know, or are they trying to manage their children and homeschool them at the same time, and all of those things. Yeah. yeah. Have you experienced anything like that yourself? I, I've had moments of things like that, absolutely, and. I probably err on the side of more shut down and freeze. I've never been one that goes to the rage end and I've never really accessed that so much, which is healthy to be able to do the full range. Um, But for me, it's more freeze. So I actually get that way where my mind is blank. I can't think of any words. I'm mute kind of thing. And I also feel almost fixed to the spot. So I can't walk. I can't run. I can't move. I can't speak. I literally just go into the full freeze shutdown. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I have had it even before where I have had um, some of that overwhelm and that triggered and a lot of emotion with it, which is the key, right? Yeah. And, the, and the good thing is emotion only lasts 90 seconds in the body. So if you can ride it out the 90 seconds, you can then breathe and start thinking again. But I've had it where I've actually had what they call nerve storms, where there's so much, you know, going on emotionally that the nerves feel like they're like your blood's going to run out of your fingers and toes. So it's almost like electric shocks where I'm like, you know, and I feel the blood literally go to my extremities. Yeah. Wow. Mm, Which is quite scary when it happens. Well, it is scary because we hear about that that's what happens when you you go into like a a flight mode. Mm -hmm that the blood rushes to your extremities so that, you know, if you're in the jungle being yes. chased, that you could actually have enough. Respond. Yeah, respond yeah. and be able to run away. Exactly. But, but to actually be mm. able to feel that, that's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Yeah, really, right. really out there. And, yeah, interestingly, talking about motorcycle riding, the one time I've had a motorcycle accident, I had a car pull out in front of me. I was totally relaxed at that time and I remember thinking, oh, look at the blue sky as I flew through the air. <laughs> So um, (laughs) it's definitely more the interpersonal, emotional, overwhelm, you know, overworked situations that (laughs) affect me more. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Want to fill your soul with more? Go to thesisterco.com. So, my friend, Hmm. we've talked at overwhelm and talked about, you know, how it can manifest and where it might arise from. Hmm. What can we do about it? Yeah, and I think this is where healthy boundaries comes in and starting to really know yourself and trust yourself. It's where daily habits and rituals are so, so important. And, you know, I say to people, what's your daily practice for keeping your mind sane, for keeping your emotions in check, for managing the amount of cortisol and adrenaline in your body because most of us are addicted to adrenaline in the Western world. Most of us are checking our phones, you know, answering calls, emails, whatever. We're in full adrenaline mode. And so what are your daily rituals for maintaining some equilibrium and bringing that down that are not mood-altering substances but that are personal practices? So that might be breathwork, yoga, meditation, going for a walk, going for a surf. It could be sitting and patting your dog. It could be just sitting and enjoying a cup of tea in the morning. But whatever that is – I think that's really important. And then having healthy boundaries around that because then we let creep happen often. We let other people start invading in that space or those times or those things that we know we need. And so while people are in overwhelm, I've heard how many people are eating chocolate and sugar and, you know, we reach for all of that. And that only adds to the challenge and the issues. Yeah. We were talking just yesterday and we were talking about boundaries. Mm. And at first I was like, 
Well, I think I have really good boundaries with uh, with other people. <laughs> I think I'm great at boundaries. <laughs> and um, then when I started actually really thinking about it and thinking about my life and I was like, actually, I have really poor boundaries with myself mm. because I'm such a yes girl. Mm-hmm. And even while we were talking about it, I mean, how many calls or messages did you get? I know. And even though you weren't ringing them back, you could see you physically responding to them as in your body going, oh, there's a message. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So even that ability to trust yourself to put your phone away and not touch it and not look at it. Actually, do you know what that happened to me this morning? I was at home on my laptop and preparing for podcast recording today. Mm. And I think I had something like three phone calls while I was preparing. And each time the phone rang, I was like, damn, I really need to, I really want to focus here. And then I looked to see who was calling. I better take that call because mm. I think that'll be important. It's about like our community campaign or yes. something like that. So I took the call and then the whole time I was taking the call, I wasn't present mm. because I was like going in my head. I'm like, hurry up. I've got to. I need to do this other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I should have actually just put my phone away to put it on silent and. Put it on airplane. Yeah. Airplane mode even better because yeah. silent we often still hear the vibrate or the movement or whatever. But when you've got an airplane and, you know, what can happen in 40 minutes? You know, if you've batched yeah. and went, I'm just going to do 20 or 40 minutes of focused work. Yeah. So those kind of boundaries and trusting yourself to keep them. I think it's always like in sales, the first sale is always to yourself. The same thing with trust. The first level of trust is trusting yourself first. Is that like a got your back sister when I, we do a community campaign and I'm like, I have to be the first person to donate? Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it I is. do that too. The first sale is to yourself. <laughs> Charity starts at home, as they say. <laughs> That's why the charity's so successful, isn't it? You're always the first to donate. <laughs> first to pop in 50 bucks. <laughs> oh, I love it. God love you. Oh, funny. Yes. Yeah, so I am like, okay, I, I have had the realization that where I thought I was amazing at boundaries, <laughs> I'm actually not really. Mm. And it's about that. It's about saying yes to everything. Yes. And I don't know where, I don't know if that's the FOMO actually, or if I feel like I'm letting people down if mm. I don't like. I didn't take the calls this morning. I'm like, because I'll be letting that person down because I know they're trying to get a job done. And if I don't take that call, mm. then I'm going to hold up their work. So I better just take the call. Except when you've taken it and then not present for it. And then not present and then annoyed at myself because I'm like, oh, damn, I really wanted to just sit and focus this morning. Yeah. Or and that's when we make silly decisions or just not our best decisions because we're not in wise mind. You yeah. know, we're in reactive mode. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think FOMO is a big thing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, you know, love uh, Charlotta, who's local, who talks about JOMO all the time, the joy of missing out. I love that. But I think for all of us, FOMO is a big thing. You know, mm. we all see other people doing things or friends doing stuff or get invitations to things. And we're like, oh, I don't want to miss out on that. It's certainly been a lesson for me. And I'm much stronger at that now. And I know even looking at you, I've said no to things before as much as I feel the pull and want to do them I'll have made a promise to myself for something and I know that I have to keep that promise to myself yeah Mm. I think it's big for all of us yeah like the ultimate in self-trust (laughs) self-care AJ (laughs) say no yeah so do you think mean it so do you think generally you do well with boundaries much better now but yeah I spent pretty much 40 years not doing them (laughs) and do you think it was letting them be walked over Mm. and do you think that that was was a was that something you really had to work on or were you able to just kind of have that realisation and go, I need to have strong boundaries no, and then I, boom, I do I had it. to work on it. I was always people-pleasing, same thing, and 
would even feel a level of discomfort when I said no. You know, I've yeah. said no to you before and felt yeah. that discomfort for quite a while after, you yeah. know, and held it and almost think I'm going to ring back and say yes because yeah. the discomfort is what's killing me. Yeah. You know, and the thought of disappointing someone and all of that. But the more we can sit in that space of even just noticing that and going, oh, you know, you poor thing, like I feel it, but yeah. leaning into that is what gets you there. And I've had – counseling and support and coaching around stuff like that and had to practice scripts because I had no language for saying no. Yeah. I know that sounds crazy, but I had no, you know, and I'm like, well, what do I say? And and that's that whole thought of no is a complete sentence mm. because I would say no, but then have to justify and give the whole story about why I couldn't do it. And I still often catch myself do that even if I can't take someone's call or miss a message or something, I will send them a message and then explain why I couldn't take their call. Do you know what? I know you do that and I actually really love it. Right. I love it because sometimes you'll call someone and they don't answer and some people are a non-answerer, mm. which I'm a, I, I like the phone conversation. I yes. like to hear someone's voice. Yes, you do. And um, I like a one-on-one even better. Yeah. <laughs> I love a face-to-face yeah. than a voice-to-voice. And where some people don't do that, they just they don't do a – They don't answer I at all. I can't talk to you right now. They don't answer at all. But I go, every time you do that, I go, oh, that's cool. She's acknowledged that. You yeah. Know. So I go, it's interesting. I, I, I find that really lovely. Right, well, you do that. and I've had several today and I've had a really busy schedule, so I've told them all you're going to need to call me back after four and I've said to two, four, and two more, 4.30, so mm. I know that that's staggered. Mm. Yeah, so I do try and do that, but in the past I used to justify just because it helped me deal with the tension. Yeah. So, yeah, I've had to lean into that. Mm. Yeah. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast. One of the things that I've heard you talk about through your superhuman experience mm. is self-trust. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. Yeah, well, like I was saying, you know, yeah. that begins with self and learning to trust your own intuition, your own inner knowing. And what I find, and I've done it myself and I see it in clients all the time, is we always give away our trust externally first and we're looking to others for that. And if we're not fulfilling that for ourselves. We're never going to find it in others. We're really never going to find real trust unless we trust ourselves first. What do you think when you hear the term self-trust? When I saw it come up mm. in, in your superhuman, superhuman notes, yeah. straight away I was like, yeah, I totally trust myself. <laughs> <laughs> Am I believable? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. I'm all sweet. It's all good. And then I suppose I started to to delve down into that as well and it's like, hmm, can I really trust myself? And I go around the boundaries. Well, I, again, I've, I've through the whole COVID isolation and having a lot more time at home and Mm. quiet time, I really enjoyed that. Even though I miss people and miss going out, I did enjoy it. And so I made this commitment to myself that I was like, I was going to get up, do a walk in the morning. And I was going to really limit the amount of time that I was going to go out, socialize, network, Mm. go to events, that sort of thing, because I really enjoyed the quiet time. And I find when I say yes too often, my week gets filled up with, oh, I've got to go to this networking Mm. thing and that charity Mm -hmm. thing. And then I've got to go to that training thing, or I'm catching up for dinner with that person. So every night of the week could be filled up. And I would find that I would live in it with this anxiety in my chest. Right. So I'm going, it's interesting now, do I trust myself to not do that anymore? Ooh. Do you? Well, I thought I did. And then 
True confessions. <laughs> I thought I did. And then I'm I just looking at my calendar going, oh, I'm already getting social events that are mm-hmm. getting scheduled into my calendar. And I haven't actually set a boundary to go, you know what, I only do one thing on a weekend or yeah. you know what I mean? And maybe it's that exactly what you're talking about is you haven't actually written down what are my criteria mm. and what are my non-negotiables. Mm. So for me, I practice slow mornings mm. and that's non-negotiable. Mm. Yeah. So I know, you know, you ring a little bit later in the mornings because mm. you know that I won't answer earlier because I'm practicing my own rituals Mm. in the morning. So it is about keeping that. But if you don't know what it is, Mm. so maybe it is sitting and going, well, how many social things do I want to go to a week that make me feel good and help me connect, but don't overwhelm me or drain me. So for me, um, and I was writing some notes earlier that self-trust really includes becoming your own best friend. Yeah, You know, it's being that really good best friend for yourself. It's like what book is it? Um, the Untethered Soul. Yes, and Michael Singer Michael talks Singer. about if you were if you were a different person. Yes, walking beside you, what would you think of that person? Like you know what what the thoughts and stuff that are going on in your head. And he's like, you'd go, this person's crazy. You'd be like, oh, you dear little poor sod. Look at you. There you go again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love Michael Singer, and I think. Like you were talking about with boundaries, you know, a good way of self-trust is to set a boundary and then to keep it. Yeah. And it's every time you keep it, it tells yourself I am trustworthy. Yeah. You know, I I keep my promises to myself. And I think they're the most important before anyone else. And, you know, you've got a beautiful family. You want to keep your promises with them, but not if you're not for yourself. Yeah. Okay, my lovely friend. And what else? Is there anything else that you think that we need to be aware of in terms of keeping our boundaries and not going getting into overwhelm and um So it's interesting, I just had a corporate client yesterday. Yeah. And uh she's a manager of about seventy people and was feeling incredibly overwhelmed. And just in the space of the first ten minutes of our coaching call, the amount of times she put herself down was so incredible. Like was basically saying she was stupid to herself and that she wasn't being a good boss and that she wasn't being present enough and that she was upset that someone else got an opportunity to step up in a promotion that she didn't get and she felt bad then about feeling bad about that. And, yeah. and in the first 10 minutes it was just all of this, you know, flogging of herself. If she'd had a whip she would have had scars all over herself. And so I do think in all of this overwhelm and what's going on in unprecedented times, the best thing we can do is just speak kindly to ourselves. Yeah. So I would say nurture and, you know, be the best friend for yourself. Mm. I love that. <laughs> That's something to aspire for mm. towards because so many of us, and actually I would say nearly all of us, all struggle probably with some of those little negative voices in our heads. Mm. It's very easy to to, yeah. to have that critical voice, that and little, you know, mean girl in our head. Exactly. And I actually brought a reminder of it today for you. I brought you some rose quartz. Oh, I love rose quartz. <laughs> rose quartz is a stone of love. Because I was thinking about you. Heartstone. And, but it was more about self-love is yeah. what I was thinking. Thank you very much, yeah. my friend. Well, thank you for coming in and sharing your wisdoms with us once pleasure. again. It's always a joy and a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you. It's so easy chatting to you. It's just oh. like having a cuppa. Thanks, my friend. Well, do you know what? As I say, we're all trying to navigate this crazy journey as best we can. We really are with a little bit of heart and soul. We are. And if we just remember we're all delicious humans and we were born perfect, then your work is done. Thank you. Now, if people want to get in contact with you or learn more about the superhuman experience and what you're up to, how can they reach you? Uh, So my website is alexandriajoy.com.au or the superhuman stuff is all on humanpower.com.au. 
Thank you, my love. Thank you. Much blessings. Bye. Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesistercode.com.